Good morning, Ramp Church. I am praying for you guys and thinking of you every day. Um, actually, so I'm here this morning in Clay and Olivia's apartment and have a word in my spirit to give to you. But before I dive into the word and the text that we're going to be talking about, I had kind of a strange occurrence. I normally don't wear jumpers. Uh, when I preach, I don't know why, I just don't normally. But I had a dream that I was actually wearing this shirt that says, Be the Change. And I love the message of this sweatshirt, and I felt like I would wear it today and let even my jumper preach to all of us because I feel like right now in the world, um, with everything that is going on with pandemic, with um, so much just trauma on every level with the exposure of racism and injustice that's being brought to magnified light um, for us to respond to. I feel like Ramp Church, we have a challenge to actually be the church that we are passionate about, that we are, um, that each of you carries in a unique passion point of what it is to be church. I've heard some of you say, and even in our prayer meetings, we've prayed into some of these points of passion of, you know, let's be a church that's reaching out. Let's be a church that has the word of the Lord and the prophetic word of the Lord um, ministering through us. Let's be a church that, that stands um, and to be a voice for those who are marginalized. And let's be a people that acts justly. And there's this whole, I, I love all of our passion. I love our prayers. I love um, even the desires and the gifts that God has uniquely put in you all as individuals as individuals. And I just want to encourage you to be the church that you want to be in this season. Uh, you want a prophetic church? Be prophetic. Show up with the Word of God burning in you and release it. You want to be a people who honors. We all want to be a people that honor people from other cultures and really genuinely from the inside out is expressing the kingdom of God in tangible, relevant ways to the world around us. And I feel the Lord is just reminding of me, uh, reminding me and reminding all of us that we are called to be the church that we're really passionate about in our speech, in our thoughts, in our prayers, those things that fire us up. It's time for us to live and breathe and act and do um, the things that we feel the Lord has revealed to us from His Word. So I encourage you with that. And let's just dive into this scripture. I want to talk to you this morning Mark, from Mark 6. And the title of this message is Tired Disciples, Hungry Crowds, and Genuine Jesus. As I've been praying and just walking with the Lord um, the past few weeks, this passage has just been a source of life, like wind in my sails. And that's why I want to share with you what God has been speaking to me personally that I really believe is a word for us corporately. So I'm going to read this entire um, story here that I'm sure is familiar. And then we're going to go through it bit by bit. And I really feel um, that today is going to be a day that in some ways we're mobilized and we get just a um, momentum from the Holy Spirit to be the church that we're called to be. But I also think that some of you will really be able to, in, in, a, in your own unique way, just be able to exhale in God's presence and find um, strength and encouragement for your weary soul. So this is starting in Mark 6, verse 30, and I'm reading from the New Living Translation. The apostles returned to Jesus 
from their ministry tour and told him all they had done and taught. I love that. The ministry of any disciple is not just to teach, but to do. Not just to do, but to teach. We use words and we use deeds. And that's how we express and reveal Jesus to the world around us. So the disciples returned and they told Jesus everything that they had done and taught. Then Jesus said, let's go off by ourselves to a quiet place and rest a while. How beautiful is that? That Jesus the Lord, the master, the God in human flesh that is there walking the earth says to his disciples, I'm going to read it to you because I feel like this is even a word to somebody watching right now. Let's go off by ourselves to a quiet place and rest a while. He said this because there were so many people coming and going that Jesus and his apostles didn't even, didn't even have time to eat. Hence the part of this title, Tired disciples. They are excited about what God is doing. They have just returned from ministry. They have seen God say things through them and do things through them that they never could have done on their own ability. And they're overjoyed, expressing all of this, updating Jesus. And Jesus' response is, let's get out of here, just you and us, and let's get some rest. Let's be together alone, away from the crowds. So he said this because uh, there were so many people coming and going that Jesus and his apostles didn't even have time to eat. I love that little phrase because even that points um, us to just some of the big picture reality that crowds of people were flocking to Jesus. And the world, as, as many times as we think of post-Christian culture just put off by God, not wanting anything to do with God, it's important to remember that the world that we live in, where you walk, where you work, that there are people who are really hungry for Jesus. And they are ready to be crowding around Him and receive from Him. And I don't care what culture you live in, I promise you there are some people in your city, in your region, in your place, who they are ready for Jesus. They are ready for his ministry. So the crowds have been so intense with the disciples that they don't even have time to eat. It's just output and ministry and preaching God's kingdom and demonstrating God's kingdom. So they left by a boat for a quiet place where they could be alone. But many people recognized them and saw them leaving, and people from many towns ahead along, uh, ran along the shore and got there ahead of them. And Jesus saw the huge crowd as he stepped from the boat, and he had compassion on them, because they were like sheep without a shepherd. So he began teaching them many things. Late in the afternoon, his disciples came to him and said, this is a remote place and it's already getting late. Send the crowds away so they can go to nearby farms and villages and buy something to eat. But Jesus said, you feed them. With what? They asked. We'd have to work for months to earn enough money to buy food for all these people. How much bread do you have? He said, go find out. And they came back and reported, we have five loaves of bread and two fish. Then Jesus told the disciples to have the people sit down in groups on the green grass. So they sat down in groups of 50 or 100. Jesus took the five loaves and the two fish, looked upward toward heaven and blessed them. And then uh, breaking the loaves into pieces, he kept giving the bread to the disciples so they could distribute it to the people. He also divided the fish for everyone to share. They all ate as much as they wanted and afterward, the disciples picked up 12 baskets of leftover bread and fish. A total of 5,000 men and their families were fed. 
Isn't that one of the best stories in the Bible? I absolutely love that. So let's go back here to some of the things that I feel from this passage are a right now word for you. And the first um, thing that I wanted to just point out was the fact that what I already stated, the, 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 the disciples are ministering in word and in deed. They come back reporting about their ministry tour and he, they telling Jesus, this is what we've done. This is what we've said. And then even later on through this whole passage, you see Jesus was moved with compassion. And what did he do? So he taught them. And then he didn't just teach them, but he did something. He fed them. And your life of a disciple, your life as a follower of Christ is this beautiful um, mission and purpose here on earth to reveal Jesus, to reveal the kingdom of God to the world around you. And like I pointed out, there are people in the world who are hungry for Jesus. They are hungry for the gospel. They are ripe, so to speak. They're desperate for hope. They're desperate for real abundant life. And no matter how dark things get, sin abounds, but what grace abounds all the more. And sure, there are people who are resistant and there are people who reject the message, but there are also many, many, countless thousands, millions of other people who are ready to hear and receive from the ministry of God and his kingdom. So the first thing I want to ask you, Ramp Church, is... Jesus' disciples were beckoned by him to come away and rest. And I love that Jesus suggested this because to me, Jesus is making legitimate, he's legitimizing their need for time alone with him to rest. And even in the midst of ministry, even in the midst of the Son of God walking in human flesh, who's so aware of all of the needs of the people, and as you read through the passage, he responds to the needs. He still is, it's still a legitimate need for us to come away and be alone with him and rest. And it's essential. I mean, think about sometimes, you know, Ramp Church, I'll, I'll parallel our physical needs along with our spiritual needs and, and vice versa and how body, soul, and spirit were very intricate, um, intricately connected and interwoven. And you know how you have this physical body? How often do you have to rest? I mean, ideally, the experts say that you sleep, what? You sleep every night. So every night, now I know some of you try to like change that law of nature, but every, every 24 hours, your body starts to shut down and require rest of you. It's a regular need. You can't like stockpile sleep at the beginning of the year and sleep for one whole week in January and then not have to sleep at all for the rest of the year. Now, your body has a regular need for rest. Your body needs regular sleep. In your spirit, in your relationship with God, just as Jesus here walking with the disciples, you need regular time alone with God to rest. And it is so important that you be able, that we, that we all be able to embrace, like we've talked about before in some of these peace uh, messages that we've given, that we be able to embrace our frame. And I'm not saying that we're lazy. I'm not saying we settle. I'm not saying we become complacent. I'm saying let's humble ourselves and embrace the fact that we still regularly need time alone with Jesus and time to rest. Time when we are apart from the crowd and alone with him. 
And can I just point out that in today's culture, sometimes I know in my own experience, you can think, well, um, because you're off that you're resting or because you're, um, you're alone and you're not with people that you're alone with God. But sometimes those things are very different. You can be alone, but not be spending time alone with God, uh, not be engaging your mind and heart with the presence of God. And I love what the psalmist says. He says, my soul finds rest in God alone. And there's a communion, there's the beauty of our time with God alone, where we maybe, maybe even a lot of your time alone with God is your contending and your interceding. And there is a place and a need for that. Yes, yes, yes. I'm not saying don't do that. I'm just saying, is your soul finding rest in God alone? Do you have regular times where you can process pain in his presence? where you can just be with God and hear what he has to say? Or is every time that you have with God intense and you're, you're prophesying and you're outputting and you're interceding and, and I'm, we are in a relationship. There are so many, we are in a relationship with Jesus, just like the uh, communication between a husband and a wife or between friends is vast and varied. You need a variety of prayer and communication with God, and you need to be able to regularly exhale and soak in worship. And that is really important for even being able to then do exactly what Jesus did, minister out of compassion. So my first question to you is, do you recognize your need for regular rest? Rest is a way that we humble ourselves and acknowledge that we, although we are powerful in God, We are not the savior of the world, that we are stewards. We are fragile clay pots that we need to recharge our battery. That's a way that we humble ourselves and we remind ourselves that even though we have a mission and we have a mandate and we have gifts and we have that, that it's not all up to us and that we are like children in the lap of a father able to just let dad take care of some things while we rest in his presence. So do you know that you have need for rest? And are you, Ramp Church, taking, are you embracing that? Or are you fighting in that war with that all the time? I know what it's like to be an intense person who loves to work. Welcome to my world. I love to work. I love, I, sometimes I even just purposely, my mind just goes to the intense needs of the world around me. And no matter how compassionate you are, no matter how much prophetic revelation you have on your purpose, you're not exempt. Even Jesus himself went alone regularly to pray and be with God by himself, to rest, to recharge. And then the the next thing I wanna highlight, Ramp Church, that I really feel like God is doing and even some of the words that we've recently been talking about, about hope, about the threshing floor of God's glory and um, even the, the discussions on racism is he's wanting to do a deeper heart work in us. When Jesus saw the crowds, he was first, he was willing to be inconvenienced, which love is always willing to be inconvenienced. Um, he steps, he lays aside his plan and he embraces that moment that he's in. He responds to the crowd and it says, but before, Before he did anything, it says he was moved with compassion. There was something inside of him that worked out to this outward action of sitting and rearranging his agenda and 
talking to the crowds and teaching them. It was all springing out of this place of genuine compassion for these people that were like sheep without a shepherd. It was the heart of God that was manifesting, the love of God that was manifesting right there in front of these people to see Jesus stop what he had planned and respond to the need in front of him. I just want to, I want to, um, you know, Ann Voskamp is an author and she's written some incredible books and she, she kind of, in my own words, paraphrasing her, she talks about how love is really only love um, to the extent that it's willing to be inconvenienced. And meaning that we can say that we love, 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 love people, but if that love is never inconvenienced, it's not really love because love is unselfish. We know, we understand that, right? Love is not about us. Love is about laying down our lives, just like Christ did, laying down our lives, our rights for others. And some of you, one of, I feel like I, I can, we can all relate to this, to be inconvenienced, to be asked to put aside our plans and our agenda and, and then take on some urgent needs or respond to children or family members that need help. It inconveniences us. And I'm telling you that inconvenience is not just an inconvenience. That is an opportunity and a test of genuine love. And Jesus being the genuine, what I mean by genuine, the real from the inside out expression of the love of God walking on planet earth, the genuine expression, the real accurate expression of the father's heart to humanity is walking on earth. He is willing to be inconvenienced. He is moved by his compassion. What is that even saying? His heart is fully alive and responsive to the Father and to the people around Him. And let me tell you this as well, that if you are not getting regular rest, your heart just becomes hard and disengaged. You begin to feel numb. You can't feel anymore. Needs come up, inconveniences come up, and instead of responding in compassion, we respond with aggravation. We we get fed up. We get overwhelmed way too easily. How do I know this? Because we're human. We all live, we all can redline. But I'm telling you, if you feel like you're redlining, then I want to give you permission to validate your need to get away with God and recharge your battery. How? I don't know how it's going to work for you, but I know that it can work for you. I know that the Holy Spirit promises, that God's Word promises. In Matthew 6, your Heavenly Father already knows all your needs and he will give you all you need from day to day if you seek him first, even your need for rest, even your need for recharge, all your needs. So he can show you how to get the rest that you need so that then your heart can be revived and responsive to the people around you. So Ramp Church, I want us to see this Jesus that's walking earth, that's willing to be inconvenienced, meeting the needs of the people right in front of him, not out of some exterior obligation of, I'm the son of God, so I better meet this need, or it's up to me to let these people know who God is, so I'm going to put this none of that obligation. You read this account of Jesus laying aside his plans and laying aside his own need for rest and his disciples need for rest to meet the needs. Why? Because of compassion. 
He wasn't ticking a list that he was reporting to the father every week. Okay, I did this. He was, the heart of the father was living and breathing and being revealed through his life to the world around him. And I love that he saw these crowds and moved with compassion because you know what it tells me as a child of God? It tells me that he, that I am not some kind of obligation to God. That he is not saving me just because he has a duty. It's all up to him. He's the only one who could do it. So by golly, he's going to leave heaven and come down there and save these ridiculous rebels because nobody else can. No. He looks at us with compassion. He understands our frame. When we were utterly helpless, he comes to move in and rescue us with the love of the Father and the sacrifice of the Son. And this this is our picture. Jesus is our example of how all ministry here on on planet Earth as disciples of Christ should operate. Time alone with him, relationship with him, revives our heart. Our heart becomes feeling. Our heart becomes recharged. Our heart finds hope. And then we step out and we see the needs of the world around us. Even when we are tired and spent feeling, something in our heart compels us that we can give, we can release the kingdom of God. You know, it's another important, important um, tidbit here. For somebody, because some of us, I know, sometimes it's like once you get a certain amount of fatigue, then you, you're just like uncompromising, like shut everything out, um, and you've just got to get rest, and it's up to you to get that rest. Stick with me. I just find it so interesting that Jesus, even though his disciples were tired, even, even though he himself was tired, they hadn't eaten, they were definitely had their right to rest. He just lays that right aside. He lays that right. He teaches the disciples, listen, there are going to be personal things that you do need and you do need rest and you do need to eat. And that's going to happen. God will meet that need. God will meet that need. But there are times when you just need to lay aside the right that you have. Just like in Philippians 2, it says that Jesus became human, took on the form of a servant. He didn't cling to his divine privileges. He laid down his rights and he became a servant. And then he shows us that this isn't just the way to do things right. This is the path to abundant life and fullness of joy. As a child of God, as a disciple, as a follower of Christ, as somebody who claims to bear the name of Jesus. There are going to be times when you feel spent and you feel tired and you feel just like, you know what? I need to eat and I need to sleep. And people are going to continue being a husband or children or a mother or somebody is going to need you. I want you to remember this story that even when you're tired and hungry, if you will take the path of being a servant, a spirit filled believer that has mighty inner resources in their inner man, if you will take the low road just like Jesus and look for him in the face of that person who's putting a demand on you then you will find the fullness of God. You will find the, I I promise you that, I promise you that if you let the Lord lead you and let his heart become your heart, he will meet every need you have, Um, but that you will also experience the joy of giving.
that Jesus himself said it's better to give than to receive. Because we also, we probably all can relate to this. Sometimes a good nap and rest and a day off does not give you the full rest that you need. Sometimes, and you know what it is like, you try to take time off and rest and you come back even crankier than when you went in. And you go to prayer time and you come back even crankier than when you went in. Why, why, why? Because this is about a relationship of yielding and serving and relying on the Holy Spirit. Again, you are not just here to tick boxes. Okay, I rested, I taught, I did the good deed. Um, Compassion, I'm not really sure, but I did it anyway. you are meant to experience the life of God impacting you from the inside, from the depths of your bones, and then going out to the world around you. So I want us, Ramp Church, I want you to assess where your heart's at. Do you feel, have you ever experienced um, the compassion, feeling moved with compassion? But more importantly, Have you experienced, have you ever thought of the fact that when you were in sin, when you were lost in the world, when you were without God and without hope, that there was a father in heaven and Jesus at his right hand who looked at you and had compassion on you? That before you are ever called to release the compassion of Christ to others, that Jesus wants you to experience that in your own heart that you are the recipient of God's compassion, that you were hungry and you were crowding around the world looking for some life, some purpose that satisfied and that he reached out to you. And once we can bask and revel in that, and that's not just a one-time basking or a one-time reveling in, that is a Every day we preach the gospel to ourselves that we have received the compassion and love of God when we didn't deserve it. And let that work in us. Let it linger in our hearts until it begins to transform the way that we act. We're called to be a people of compassion. Um, For time's sake, I'll keep moving on. So Jesus taught them. I love that. Even Jesus teaching them once he sees their helplessness, again, it puts emphasis on the importance of the word of God. Jesus didn't just come to bring miracles. He came and he taught them about the kingdom. And hearing God's word and letting it transform your thought is just as necessary as a miraculous breakthrough. For instance, Hearing God's word about your finances, about relationships, um, finances, for example. You know, when you get your mind renewed and you begin to think and grow in your understanding of finances according to God's kingdom, that can be just as powerful as a miracle breakthrough of provision for you. And sometimes we overemphasize the desire for a miracle and we underemphasize the importance of being taught God's word. Because when we're taught God's word, it confronts and it causes what I talked about a few weeks ago. We have to deconstruct things. We have to reconstruct things. And that can be like a messy renovation process. Sometimes we would rather just live in an unrenovated house and have a miracle delivery and just live off of one miracle. to But that is not the life of a disciple. The life of a disciple is receiving from the word of God and the deeds of God. 
and you're called to both. We're called to value the word of God and have faith that even when we speak the word of God out, that it is having power, that there is supernatural power that's being released. And some of you watching, you just need encouragement to open your mouth. You've got a word in you. You've got the word of God in you. And I really feel like for even some of you young people, um, but really regardless of who you are sitting there, you're just, you, you know you have a word. Well, start showing up and releasing the word. The word has power. The word actually carries miracle working power to transform us. So he's teaching them. Okay, then it's getting late and um, the people are hungry. And so the disciples say, Jesus, send them away. Jesus says, you feed them. I love this. This is one of my favorite, one of my favorite things. Jesus tells the disciples to feed the crowd. And um, they're tired and they're hungry and they're not, they're not loaded. I mean, their first response to this is, with what, they asked. We'd have to work for months to earn enough money to buy for all these people. You can almost hear that sarcastic exhaustion in their voices. It's like, really, really? Like we already had to, these people sabotaged our plans for a sabbatical and now you want us to feed them. And it's gonna take eight months wages to feed them. And they're just tired. You know, sometimes when you're tired, everything just gets hit with the natural first. Every reaction, you'll just start noticing everything is a natural reaction. It's almost like the reaction is completely forgetting the fact that the son of God that created the heavens and the earth is right there in their midst. And so they're, they're like, are, are we really expected to do this? <laughs> I just, I, I personally, I kind of revel in the fact that Jesus even asked it. I mean, they were tired, they were hungry. And then he demands them to do the impossible. And why is he, he's not trying to be harsh. He's, he is inviting them in to a miracle. He is giving them the, the privilege, the invitation to partake of something supernatural. That's not just going to bless those people in that moment. No, he's inviting them to participate in something that for thousands and thousands of years is going to continue to bless people. Because I don't know about you, whenever I read that story, I'm blessed and it builds my faith. And he is inviting them right there in the middle of their exhaustion and their redlining potential burnout state to be uh, participants and partners of the supernatural power of God working through them. And I'm just going to say some of you need to take the limits off God because you think if it's past 10 p.m., God can't move. Or if it's, be, if it's before 9, 9 a.m., God, and I'm saying you've got boundaries and you need to have boundaries, but those boundaries in God's kingdom, they need to be made of rubber. They need to be flexible, breathable. They need to be able to be interrupted. You need to be able to so trust the heart of God that if he looks you square in the eye when you're exhausted and you're tired and you haven't eaten and asks you of something that's impossible, that you know him so well that you can, you can have enough faith to stay right there where you're at and just do whatever he says. So he says, listen, oh, well, let me ask you this. So what impossible thing is God asking of you? Because as a disciple of Jesus, your life is now at his, um, you're partnering with him to feed the hungry, to bring the kingdom of God to people around you. And I, my experience, at least from reading this book and from knowing just a handful of disciples here on planet earth is I've not known many genuine disciples who have followed Jesus for a length of time and they haven't been asked 
to do something that is completely beyond their own ability to do. When you are walking with Jesus, He is going to stretch you. He is going to, and it's never a one-time stretch. You can't just think, well, on July 8, 1985, God asked me to move to this nation, and therefore, I, I'm a sacrificial disciple that's following Jesus. No, I mean, read this every day, every day, stretching. Then you go to the New Testament. It's not this one-time sacrificial occurrence where you make this sacrifice for God, and you cross over, and you're never asked to make a sacrifice again. That's not, this is a lifestyle. This is a in and out, day by day, obedience to Him, letting Him use you in ways that you could never imagine as you yield to His impossible commands and His impossible demands. So what is He asking of you that seems impossible? Maybe it is, you know, I'll give you some examples. Some of you may be called to foster or adopt and you think that's impossible. Some of you may be called to give half of your income, and when you hear that, that's impossible. Some of you may be called to um, relocate to another place. Some of you may be called to um, fast one day a week, and where you're at right now, that feels impossible. And I'm not telling you to make it up, I'm telling you lean in and hear what He is saying to you. And if you're never hearing anything uncomfortable, then you need to come a little closer because I promise you that discipleship is this beautiful adventure of just discovering how really uncomfortable everything comfortable is and how so comfortable everything uncomfortable is in Christ. But he has some impossible demands and you just need to fully embrace. Even when you're tired, he's gonna ask stuff of you, but you're about to see the power of God manifest when you yield. So you feed them. Now listen, when you have an impossible demand or command or instruction from God, you're gonna have the same temptation that Abraham had, the same temptation that these disciples had. You're gonna have the temptation to do this in my own strength, work for eight months, and then feed these people eight months later. Or you can lean in further and hear what God wants you to do. So you can try to strategize without him, or you can lean even a little closer and hear what he's saying. And I love what this, what this passage emphasizes that is really principle emphasized throughout even the Old Testament. I think of the widow with the pots and the oil. Jesus says, what do you have? What do you have? What do you have? God wants to use what you have where you're at. And you just need to start showing up with what you have, where you're at. For instance, sometimes I hear as a pastor, um, people that have prophetic words in them and they feel like the church doesn't have a space for their gift or their prophetic word, but they don't come to any of the prayer meetings. They don't come to any of the, the meetings where we're talking. And I'm telling you, use what you have. You've got a prophetic gift, come to the prayer meetings, release the prophetic gift. Sometimes you think, or you say, well, I have a gift for outreach, but nobody is doing that. You use what you have. What do you have? You've got a job and a lunch break. You've got to use what you have and let God multiply that. Well, I want to give more to the needy. Well, you've got a paycheck or an income. Use what you have to provide to the world around you what you're passionate about. He didn't 
He didn't start from scratch. The, the five loaves and the two fish didn't descend from heaven. Gabriel didn't deliver it on a silver platter. It was what they had. And you have something that you're probably overlooking and you need to go look and see what you have. And you, you know what's interesting to me because I love nutrition. I've always wondered why God didn't like multiply kale or something that was really healthy because bread and fish is just kind of like the daily butter. You know, it's just so normal. And then I was thinking, oh, wait a second. I love that he multiplied what was so normal in every day. It's like anybody's got bread and fish. If you're in Israel in Jesus' time, you don't have to look too far too long to find some bread and some fish. And even some of the things that you have that God's gonna work a miracle through, it doesn't seem extraordinary. It's like bread and butter. It's just there, okay, this will do. And God's touch is on it when it is fully given into his hand. So. They want to give him the bread and the fish. He takes it as ordinary as it is and he multiplies it. Now listen, you've got something that God wants to use to feed the people around you. And it may not look super spectacular. It may not be kale, maybe bread, but he has given you something to feed the hungry people around you, to sustain them. And you've got to find it and then you fully release it into the hands of the Father. You fully give it to him. You consecrate it. You put it there in his hand. You feed them. And then once they start distributing it, distributing the bread and the fish to the disciples, there's one, there's one phrase, and to me this sums up the life of any disciple here on earth. It's in verse 41. It says, he kept giving the bread to the disciples so they could distribute it to the people. He kept giving the bread to the disciples so they could distribute it to the people. Again, everything that you need and everything the world needs, really, it hinges on this relationship, relationship, not clock in, clock out, but a living, breathing covenant relationship that's 24-7, 365 days a year. You're not on and then off. This is a living, breathing, you are one relationship with Jesus Christ. And everything that they need and you need comes from Him. And He gives that to you to distribute to the needs of others around you. One closing thought. There's two groups of people other than Jesus in this story. There's the disciple, the disciples, the 12 disciples, and then there's the crowd. And the crowd is, is really, I mean, thank God for the crowds. We've all kind of been in the crowd before. And these are the uncommitted people who just are receiving the benefits of the ministry. And some of you even are maybe in that position right now where you're not fully committed to Jesus but you're listening to what he's saying. You're showing up. You're trying to make your heart open to receive. But then there are other times when Jesus is calling from the crowds for disciples. And that's how he got these 12 disciples. And disciples are not just people who benefit from the ministry of Jesus. They don't just get a full stomach, so to speak, but they become one with him. They become his agents, his representatives in the world. And I feel like even some of you are being called today from being a crowd person to a disciple. 
that you're answering the call of Jesus to come and find abundant life in him only. Come to the Father. Leave all the other avenues that you've explored. The other avenues for peace and a satisfaction in life. You are being called by Jesus and he is calling you to forsake all others and cling to him. He's calling you to put down your self-righteousness, the list of good things that you've done, the excuses for the bad things you've done. He's asking you to put that down at the foot of the cross and receive His righteousness and admit and confess that you don't have what it takes to find abundant life apart from Him. He's wanting you to receive the unmerited grace and favor that He brings and immerse yourself in that grace and then form roots that go into His love and then bear fruit that is evidence to the world around that God exists. I want to close with just reading even how Jesus distinguished uh, what a true disciple is. Because, you know, I, I told you we were talking about tired disciples, hungry crowds, and genuine Jesus. Do you know what the world I feel like Ramp Church needs of us right now? They need us to be genuine. They don't need tokenism. They don't need, God doesn't need it either. They don't need facades that then look different on Facebook than they do on Sunday morning at the altar. They don't need, they don't need a hypocrisy that is one thing among them and then another thing among the religious people. They need the real, genuine Jesus. That no matter what angle you look at their life, they can see Jesus, that Jesus can be seen through your life. If I look through the lens of your tone of voice that you talk to your spouse at, or if I look at your finances, or I look at the work ethic that you have while you're working from home, that there is some evidence of a genuine Jesus present on planet earth right now. And we need to be a genuine people who are followers of him. And Ramp Church, if we claim to follow him, let's do this. Let's follow him. And this is what he says about following him in Matthew 16, 24. Very important side note. There is so much, um, I love how even the, the end of this passage says that there's, they, they left and they were fully satisfied. And the glorious thing about encountering Jesus and following him is that the longer you follow him, I love how even there's a song that's written, I can't think of it in fullness right now, but it says the things of this world grow strangely dim in light of his glory and grace, in light of his beauty. Everything else just becomes, you. it's like you're awakened to the cheapness of it. It was fake. You thought that was peace, that was fake peace. You thought that was righteousness, that was fake. You thought that that was love, that was not real love. And the more you follow Jesus, the more genuine you see everything that he's offering you is real and eternal. Matthew 16, 24, then Jesus said to his disciples, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it. But whoever loses their life for me will find it. What good will it be for someone to gain the whole world yet forfeit their soul? Or what can anyone give in exchange for their soul? For the Son of Man is going to come in His Father's glory with His angels, and then He will reward each person according to what they have done. Jesus is coming. He is coming again. And Ramp Church, I want us to be ready. I want Him to find a people that's hearts are undivided to Him and that we are releasing his presence into the world around us. And let's close in prayer. 
Father, thank you for your beckoning call to us to come follow Jesus and live as he lived on the earth. Thank you, Lord, for all the people listening right now who maybe feel even the Holy Spirit um, drawing them to become a true disciple, to go all in, to pick up their cross, to lay down their own way, and to follow you, to follow you to death and resurrection, to follow you to fullness of life, to follow you as a servant leader, as a minister God who is fully given into your hands. And Lord, I pray, Father, that in Ramp Church, you would find people who are um, just in awe, full of wonder that you would call us, full of awe that you would let us be partakers of your glory. Just thrilled, Lord, that we can even um, be called away to rest with you. Just thrilled that we have the opportunity to serve you and reveal you to those around you. Lord, we agree right now that, that you, Lord, are bringing us to a place, Lord, where we can host your presence and represent you accurately in the world. And thank you, Jesus, for letting us do this with you. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, in closing, if you want to become a disciple, if you want to know more about following Jesus, then you need to bring others in on that journey. No man is an island, especially a follower of Christ. So reach out on those comments and let us know how we can be praying for you. Um, just even request, hey, can I meet with somebody one-on-one? -on -one? Can I have a phone call from somebody? Whatever you need, we want to help you in your journey of faith. Ramp Church, you are loved, and we look forward to seeing you next Sunday.